All right, kids, gather round. It's time for an interview on Growing Up Punk. So this year marks 20 years of No Motives and the Sadness Prevails album out on Vagrant Records, and uh, they're celebrating that. They had a, uh, a remix and remastered version released digitally as well as a vinyl release uh, forthcoming, depending on when you're listening to this, I suppose. I had the opportunity uh, to chat with Roger Camaro. Now, Roger has been in the band uh, since the Sadness Prevails days, still in the band now, obviously. Uh, but his roles have kind of changed over time. He started as the bass player in the band, where when he joined the band, I should say. And then eventually he moved into the role of uh, drums. And on this current celebration sort of thing with some upcoming shows, he's back to bass. You know, it's just the way it is. But anyways, this is my conversation with Roger Camaro from No Motive, celebrating 20 years of And the Sadness Prevails. So, I mean, I guess it's we could start with the fact that uh, you're, I mean, you're celebrating a 20-year anniversary of an album. Like that's pretty, that's pretty legit. <laughs> so, like, yeah, going, you ba- know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say that there were no talks about doing any sort of band type of situation um, in the past couple of years. We, we've all branched out and, and have been doing our own thing, um, but. Last year, I, I acknowledged the fact that we would we were having this twenty year anniversary coming up, and um, it just kind of worked out that that we were all down to to do this together. And um, Pat actually hit me up, who hasn't been in the band uh, since two thousand two, I believe, and he had told me he got a hold of the the master tapes for the album and he had interest in having having me remix it and kind of doing some sort of reissue of the album and one thing led to another and and here we are that's awesome none of us thought it would even get to this to where we are now yeah our original intentions were much smaller than this so (laughs) this is everything everything that's that's been happening is been truly awesome we, we didn't expect really any like any of this to happen to yeah. this degree so yeah we're all really we're all really happy about what's going on so that's awesome cool, so i mean maybe we'll we'll start at the at kind of the beginning get a little bit of uh the history of no motive because if i'm correct that was like and, and the sadness prevails was your third full-length album right yeah well technically sadness uh, to us is the second record. It's my first record in the band. Oh, okay. But um, the the collection of songs known as Scarred, um, those were those that was never meant to actually be a record. Oh, uh, okay. So, and and I could I could speak for the band. Um, they were just demos or s- songs recorded for compilations and whatnot and when the band got signed to vagrant before i had joined the band um the the edge records the label that put out cynical they um were 
we were obligated as a band to to give them a second record and so instead of recording a whole record they basically just took whatever like literally anything they had and put it together and and created scarred did the whole layout um pressed it didn't consult with the band <laughs> ever yeah <laughs> for, for it so um it's just it kind of is what it is we we kind of put up a little fuss about it uh, um once we were on vagrant but the fact of the matter is we we owed them something and you know we we had to stay true to that so yeah Actually, listen. That exists, to, yeah, but it was never it meant to exist. <laughs> and now, yeah, I actually uh, I, I heard it for the first time today. Um, I knew there was some stuff, okay. yeah, some stuff out prior to "And the Sadness Prevails," and I was like, just kind of looking to see, you know, kind of to see if there was a, a progression in sound at all from you know the earlier stuff to sadness, and uh, and so I, I came across Scarred, and I was like, oh, because I'd seen Cynical come up before, but never Scarred, and so I listened to it today, and yeah, um, it is interesting because yeah, as you mentioned, you know, there's there's actually a couple songs on that record that end up on sadness which on sadness yeah yep, which i guess yep. is is maybe an interesting place to start like why those songs like how did they end up on the uh, on and the sadness prevails as well if my mer- my memory serves me correctly and my memory is not the greatest <laughs> um i think scar actually might have come out like while we were recording the record or after we were done recording the record and we we had no we truly had no idea what Joey, the, the label owner, had a like what what he was doing. Yeah. So to us, nobody had ever heard the songs, and they were songs like "So What," um, "Tribute," "Somewhere." I believe, yeah, at least those songs existed before I had ever joined the band, and and um, we they were still in the uh, repertoire of the band's set and they were staples. And although we were kind of moving in a different direction, like we, we still felt like those songs were very relevant to us, even though I wasn't in the band when, when the, when the band had written them, um, they were songs that still were important that we felt needed to see the light of day. And we had no idea that they were, going to be used on scarred so yeah um that's why that those songs still made the record even though <laughs> it's kind of funny to listen to it 20 years later and, and hear these uh very hardcore influenced songs yeah. well that on and, a ma- majority record that's not that vibe yeah you know? and that's what that was what was kind of interesting to me in listening to scarred uh, today i was like man there's definitely some uh, some some hardcore influence on there, or I guess the appropriate term is, according to your Wikipedia page, would be nardcore. Uh, <laughs> which I was like, what? What the hell is nardcore? And I went and looked. At it. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. Nard nardcore is is uh, is very specific to the city that we all grew up in, which is Oxnard, California. Yeah. Um, it's a place that that um, half the band still lives in Oxnard. And I I no longer live in Oxnard. I live in Orange County. And Max, our guitar player, lives in San Diego. We we still visit Oxnard on a pretty regular basis. And 
and we hold that city dear to our hearts. A lot of our friends and family um, still live there, so it still feels like home to us every time we, we go back. But Nardcore is is a very long-standing, legendary um, punk community out of out of Ventura County, uh, namely Oxnard. But it stretched as far as as far as Simi Valley um, and and Santa Barbara. So Nardcore, um, for those who may be uh, semi or very punk inclined. Bands like Ill Repute, Aggression, Dr. No um, came out of Oxnard, and then Santa Barbara, RKL, which later um, some of the members uh, started or became members of Lagwagon, and then um, in Simi Valley, a band called Scared Straight, which later some of the members uh, started 10-Foot Pole. That's how this whole kind of this whole area was was a big community, and um, I would consider Strung Out even part of that that family. So, Nardcore is not 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 like totally well known for for like the average punk fan, but for those who who might have been born in the '70s or the '80s, or you know that that's something that might be relevant to them. But it's something that's important to us. So. Yeah. Even though it's like a total mystery to most people, we still just we throw it out there because <laughs> you know that's 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 our stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool, and and I think I think it lists you as like a second wave Nardcore band, um, so that's that's pretty great. But but I guess <laughs> yeah. what I was what I was going to ask is because uh, you, you alluded a little bit to changing directions uh, going into this record because yeah. yeah, hearing those like hardcore influences really coming through on the older stuff was that like. Because I mean I don't know I don't know what you guys label sadness to be if you were to put it in a genre, but it definitely for me always like stood out as like a solid you know emo album if that's fair to say um, was that was that changed because you know the lyrics got a little more introspective music got a little more melodic was that change intentional or did it just kind of happen over time um, you know as your songwriting progressed it just or? happened yeah it. Oddly enough, it just happened, and there were never words spoken about that evolution. Uh, when I joined the band, it, uh, the band had, had freshly been signed to Vagrant. They, they recorded two songs, Nostalgia and So What, mm -hmm. for the first Vagrant compilation, Five Years on the Streets, yeah. with, with their original bass player, Dave Brandon. And... Um, and a uh, little backstory, although I joined the band in 98, I was I, I uh, went to the same high school as Max, our guitar player, and um, I played in, a, in another local band. And so I follow, I follow them pretty much from the, from the start of, of No Motive. And I consider myself, like, like many others, uh, peers of theirs, like huge fans of the band. So... Um, I saw the evolution from like the more um, classic Fat Records epitaph influence kind of music mm. to to the more heavily hardcore influence era of the band, and and that came with with what music we were all listening to collectively because we all grew up on 
we all grew up on Face to Face, No Effects, Lagwagon, Bad Religion. Like all those bands meant so much to us. And um, a couple years down the line, more of the, the classic hardcore bands and bands of that era that we were listening to, um, namely Ignite and a band called Outspoken and uh, In My Eyes, Sick of It All. A lot of those bands had huge influence on us um, and from the Fat Records family and probably one of the biggest influences, Good Riddance. All those bands had so much of us and that kind of took the band to on, on different musical journeys, so to speak. But for whatever sound that sadness became, I can't actually pinpoint where that came from other than the fact that there was, um, before Sadness came out and probably around the time that Scarred, the songs for Scarred were written and recorded, um, we had this term called UC and that stood for ugly chords. <laughs> and the ugly chords came into popularity from uh, the album Less Talk, More Rock by Propagandi. Okay. If, if you listen to that record, there's, there's, there's tons of ugly, yeah. <laughs> ugly chords. Yeah. And, um, and that was, it, it almost became like a, a challenge. <laughs> How can we write riffs with, with these chords that, that we as a whole couldn't tell you what they were technically? But we knew they sounded cool to us, I guess. <laughs> but none of us studied music. None of us could read music. None of that stuff. So yeah. it was a matter of like, you know, flailing around on a guitar, finding these these finger formations yeah. that we realized could create these kind of, for, to us, semi-abstract <laughs> chord progressions. It's, and yeah. that's kind of what, what led into the world of and the sans prevail songs that's funny um so yeah uh, musically it still came from the same place um maybe when i joined the band there's i don't know maybe a couple couple bands that i had listened to that weren't uh punk bands that right. heavily influenced me like like pixies or or uh depeche mode or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some some of that non non punk influence came into play, but as far as punk bands, we we all we're all we were all really close friends and listened to pretty much the same the same bands yeah. in our in our teenage years. Uh, so uh, musically, it's kind of semi inexplicable yeah. how how this all came to be, but. And the the whole idea of the band going from like the the West Coast new school punk beat um, to the the more East Coast hardcore beat, and then just straight up slowing down and maybe even using the clean channel that <laughs> it just hap it just happened. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't tell you um, how that came to be. It just kind of just kind of happened. And uh, lyrically, and I don't want to speak too much for Jeremy, but 
just from from that era of life and us being all the way from our mid teens to our late teens early 20s that's that's prime age for a lot of a lot of uh relationship yes yeah uh, learning learning about relationships being in relationships the hardships and the struggles yeah and everything that that comes with being in that age and that time of life um sadness is a is a direct um representation of what jeremy and 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 a lot of us were going through at the time yeah so uh jeremy's he's always worn his heart on his sleeve and um never never like uh filtered out his feelings on paper he he just brought it you know so yeah. uh why else would we call the album and sadness <laughs> right yeah, I'll guess, say that. you know yeah they... it, it was a it was a highly highly uh sensitive time yeah in in our lives so it's it's definitely a time stamp to that to that era yeah i i, I wanted to go back real quickly because you mentioned the uh the ugly chords and i just thought this was kind of yeah kind of funny because so um when you guys like specifically sadness and then uh diagram for healing like those two albums for me like i loved them to death and so when i was in uh, I, I had a you know classic. These are the classic tales. I had a high school punk band once, but we uh, okay. we wrote a song, and as as a guitar player and songwriter, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, this is the no motive song, and because because <laughs> in my yeah. the, the sound for me was very much inspired by those two records, this one Sweet. specific song. But when I look back on the songs or on 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 that song, I'm like, yeah. They were probably it was probably the only song where I didn't just play straight up power chords like I cha- and that wouldn't have right. been intentional like that wouldn't have been me knowing or like you know yeah. like what you guys were doing it was just like you picking up on that sound but so that's a uh, that's pretty great um, I did <laughs> want awesome. yeah so I, I mean you said you didn't want to speak much lyrically because obviously you didn't write the lyrics I, mean, I didn't write the lyrics yeah, yeah but so as far as like songs being crafted as the band whether it was you know the same then as it is you know now or more recently or whatever but how did that picture look like did he come with a complete song did jeremy come with a complete song or did you guys kind of piece it together you know uh while jamming there were there were a handful of songs that um maybe he had written the lyrics to um uh, with the riffs and so it was a complete idea um i would say Judging from the from the from the demos that we had created before we we made the record, I think Waiting Heart um, Sunday at six p.m. Nostalgia, Solemn, songs like that. Um, maybe those were were already fleshed out and and written before. Oh, actually, Sunday was was written before I was in the band. Mm-hmm. That's that that song was part of the so what um tribute okay yeah cluster cluster of songs um so yeah he had a handful of songs that were pretty much fully written uh and there were there were a couple songs that i believe might have been written while we were already recording the music to the record perhaps even 
maybe a song or two were written in the studio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to like literally be the 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 fact person on that, but <laughs> I could have sworn I heard um, within recent time that that Jeremy might have went into the studio not having lyrics for shells. Okay. And yeah. maybe Trevor might have helped him with that. Yeah. Perhaps. So that's actually a, an interesting segue because I was going to ask how, uh, when you say Trevor, you're talking Trevor Keith from Face to Face. I'm assuming that's who yes. you mean by Trevor. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So how did that come to be, uh, working with Trevor on not only this record but then kind of going forward too? With Diagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the owner of Vagrant, um, I don't think he owns Vagrant anymore, but at the time and for a very long time, Rich Egan. Uh, also managed face to face, and he, Trevor, had already produced one record on Vagrant for a band called Boxer from Boston, um, which might have been literally the first band ever on Vagrant, if not the second. Okay, I yeah. think there were, I think we might have been the third yeah. band on the label. Um, it was Boxer. Go to Hell's and Us, I think, okay. were, were the, the, the label yeah. lineup at one point. Um, and so I'm pretty sure Rich definitely knew that we were all fans of Face to Face and um, probably knew that we would be super stoked to have Trevor produce a record. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, it, it was as simple as that. Trevor had already <laughs> established himself as a producer who has already worked for worked on records or a record on vagrant and so we were just kind of the next in line right and and an opportunity for him to produce another band so yeah um that's that's i believe that's how that came to be and we absolutely loved working with him He, he was he was fun in the studio had great ideas um and he and Chad Blinman were a duo. Okay. They they worked together. Yeah. Um and that's and that carried over into Diagram for Healing. Yeah. And 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 uh outside of our band that carried on in in the face to face world as as Chad I believe Chad engineered almost everything vagrant after yeah. after that. Yeah. Um so it was kind of like a like a family affair after a while, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Every, everything felt more felt uh, natural and normal, and 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 uh, it was great. Yeah. It, it just it was one of those situations where I for for a bunch of dudes from Oxnard were like, "This is this is out of control. How how did <laughs> this ever happen?" You know, yeah. Which led to to us. Uh, having the opportunity to tour it face to face, which in itself was was mind blowing yeah. to us, still is when I think <laughs> about it. Yeah, and and um, yeah, we're just you know we couldn't be more thankful for that for that entire world in that situation to have gone down yeah. like it did. Um, that that brings up another. You're just segueing into different questions. I had, <laughs> so this is great. Uh, but I was going to ask, because so when I was first introduced to the band, 
uh, to you guys was when you were on tour mm-hmm. with MXPX. And, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, you came up and you played in Calgary is where I saw you guys. And, uh, that was, there, there were a couple things that happened. One, obviously I was introduced to you guys and you would go on to, uh, release one of like, for sure when I was in high school and beyond, I was saying like diagram was like my go-to album. I could probably almost sing word for word along with that thing even still, but, um, oh, awesome. yeah, so there, were, so there was that introducing me to you guys, but then also, you know, kind of like cementing the fact or the idea of not skipping out on openers uh, because Ooh, I, yeah. I went to that show, especially at that time, you know, that's before, I mean, the internet was around, but it isn't, it wasn't what it is today, right? Like you can't, there was oh, no yeah. streaming services where you can just check out any band and every band all over the world. Uh, so I really had no idea what you guys sounded like going in and went to this show and was just like it, the only piece of merch that I came home with from that show was in the sadness prevails. So, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Pretty, awesome. pretty awesome. But do you remember like what were some of the tours that you guys were on when sadness was out, when you guys were trying to push that record? Do you remember some of those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, before the record came out, the first tour we ever did, the first actual real legit tour we ever did was with Good Riddance and 88 Fingers Louie. Right so right off the bat, we just knocked out two, two big influences in our lives. And that's the beginning of just being <laughs> a bunch of spoiled bastards. Real. There you go. <laughs> like we, we, we were, we couldn't have been luckier in the the world of um, opening tours and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and and Good Riddance to this day, they're they're they've been so awesome and and huge influences on us. And even '88. And uh, funny about that, they they just wrapped up a, a little uh, Southern California run together, and so. Um, Pat, our drummer, and I got to catch up with those dudes when they played in Ventura. So that was that was super awesome. Last night I saw Face to Face, yeah, and uh, it was the last night of tour, so they 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 cut out of there like as fast as humanly possible. (laughs) So I wasn't able to say hi to those dudes, but um, one of the tours that we did on the Sadness record was uh, a Face to Face tour where they supported their cover record oh, yeah, um, yeah. standards and practices yeah. and on that tour the main support band was Jimmy Eat World oh, so that was absolutely mind blowing because I was am I am a huge Jimmy fan yeah. and I believe that was Clarity had come out and and it had been out for a while Mm-hmm. And perhaps they were prepping or had written uh, Bleed American, so yeah. it was around that that era of time, and that was that was super cool. This is where I, um, oh, I was gonna say real quick. This is where I like shamelessly name drop another podcast that I recently discovered. That's so good. Uh, it's called Jimmy Eat Pod, okay. and they literally are releasing it yeah, an, yeah <laughs> nice. they're, they're releasing an episode on every single jimmy Eat world song so if you're a big jimmy they're only like i think two songs in right now so if you want to get caught up okay at the time yeah at the time we're recording yeah. i don't know by the time this gets released if they'll have another one out or not but <laughs> cool. um yeah it's it's jimmy it's Pod something else it's great. definitely definitely worth a listen but sorry sorry to cut you off so so uh jimmy oh, world no, but- we're on on that tour and then uh where are you going yep. from there 
I think we did a, a strung out tour before okay. we we toured with MXPX. We did yeah. like a a pretty lengthy strung out tour. Um, but a, around the time we put out Sadness was when Vagrant kind of unleashed us to the world without the uh, the training wheels of of the elders. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Vagrant was on the verge of some of the like the biggest artists in the scene at that time. Yeah, it it was pretty crazy, man. To be to be at the age that we were, and to be known as the babies of the band. Yeah. Um, shortly after Sadness, they they or maybe while we were making Sadness, I I it's been so long, but right around that time, that's when they signed Get Up Kids. So yeah. attention had already like it's not that they ever lost any any uh, of their interest in us whatsoever but they had to divide it because because ghetto kids were were very much a, a much more well-known up-and-coming right band i would i don't i don't even know if i should say up and coming because they have already <laughs> like established themselves right yeah, yeah so um and then after that was saves the day so right right after they signed us the the the, the label roster just started to to explode and yeah by the time we made diagram um, that's when the, when Hard Rod Circuit, Alkaline Trio, yeah. Dashboard, that whole, <laughs> that whole just explosion went down. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was definitely, uh, a spectacle to witness seeing them cause they were, they were in like a, I don't remember exactly the neighborhood that they were in, in Santa Monica, but it was a tiny office. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple employees with like a couple rooms on a second story of, of some place. Yeah. And and that next thing we know they, they had a whole entire building um in Culver City. So it was it was definitely awesome to watch the, the label grow. Yeah. And and um subsequently you know, having all these bands on the on the on the label definitely helped helped our band get get a little more recognition so yeah and of course uh some more really sweet crucial tour opportunities that 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 came our way so um we were we i would i'll just say we were were, we've been lucky from from the very beginning you know Mm -hmm. like all the all the bands that we got to support um we couldn't dream that sort of stuff you know yeah yeah but uh it was it was always funny when when we would head out for our own headlining tour reality would hit us pretty, <laughs> pretty hard yeah <laughs> you, you go from like you know support like uh supporting MXPX yeah. or being a middle band on the MXPX tour yeah. and face to face tours and uh being out by ourselves and playing you know who knows where? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, like not even a fraction of the people that yeah. were at these shows, but um, you know, we did what we had to do. Yeah. And along the along the way, we we definitely had had some cool, we had some cool uh, uh, bands that we we brought down with along the way, um, like what what went down in that era of time. Um, I know we did. A, a couple of Tari's tours, okay, yeah, which yeah. were which were sweet, yeah. And um, 
I think on one of those Atari's tours, the opening band was, I, I, they weren't on the tour, but they were on one show of the tour. Yeah. They were called A Newfound Glory. <laughs> yes. Classic. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, oh, um, yeah. And, and, uh, I think when we got to the East coast, um, we, we did some stuff with, uh, Midtown. Yeah. yeah Midtown yeah. was, was, was a band and, yeah. uh, who else was out there? Uh, I think Hot Rod Circuit, yeah. Piebald. I know we oh, did yeah. some stuff with Piebald. Yeah. Um, the eras that like the, the, the eras of touring between Sadness and Diagram, they, they kind of like, they kind of, you know, get a little jumbled in, Bleed in my brain. A little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, absolutely. That's fair. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, we, I think we, we created enough of a camaraderie with some of these bands that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, we, we did multiple tours with MX and we did okay. multiple tours with face to face and, right on. you know, so that was cool. Maybe you can answer a question that we couldn't come up with. We were like racking our brains trying to remember when I say we, I mean myself and Aaron on, uh, it was the MXPX episode. Actually, we were trying to figure out when that tour was, uh, because he was convinced it was earlier. And I was like, no, nah, I think it would have been like at the earliest, I guess maybe late 99. Um, Ooh. but do you remember that, when that tour was? <laughs> All right. So any MXPX tour that we did, yeah. it was before the ever passing moment. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the name of that record? Yep. 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 Okay. <laughs> so it was definitely slowly going the way of the Buffalo yeah. era. Yeah. So, um, and I remember that record came out before No Motive ever even toured. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think Buffalo was 98. Got it. Was? I'm going to say that the first MXPX tour was most likely 2000. Okay. Okay. Maybe, so, like, maybe even as late as 2001. Okay. Would it have been like, because I feel like it was cold, so like early early in the year for a while, I guess. I mean, it could also be ended. It year, was, think, but. it was a bit cold. It wasn't, it wasn't frost bitten cold, but yeah. it, was, it was chilly. Yeah. Sure. So like ever passing moment. Now we just go down a rabbit hole. I'm trying to see if I can find the release date <laughs> of ever passing moment. Um, it, it just says 2000. It, it, so. Uh, ever passing moment came out in 2000. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, like I, I'm just looking on Discog, so it doesn't give me an actual date. It just says the year 2000. But here's the thing: I don't know how accurate this is because I was noticing this. 2019, you're celebrating 20 years of and the sadness prevails, but Discogs has it labeled as 1998. They do, they yeah. do, and I've been told this, and <laughs> and uh, don't believe the hype. Yeah. Uh, 99. Yeah, that's, well, that, and that's February what, 99. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, unless the only thing I can guess maybe is Discogs is referencing like the 98 comes from when it was recorded like would you have been yeah i was recorded in 98 yes that good Riddance 88 fingers louis tour was in 98 yes yeah, so i the, believe in the, the fall oh so weird and so recorded yeah after that because you know the whole doing that tour and recording the record um i can't actually i, I can't remember if we recorded the record first and then we went on tour or we <laughs> went on tour and then recorded the record so this that's is that's funny. This is the weird thing on Discogs though, because it has the CD listed as ninety nine, but the vinyl listed as ninety eight. 
Oh, really? So someone, I think, probably just put the information for the vinyl in wrong, and so then it's just picking the earliest yeah. year. But that that's actually leads me to another question, though, about the vinyl. Um, because okay. I think this is how the internet's weird, man. Cause I think this is how this whole discussion started with me okay. and whoever is running or was running your Instagram page at the time. <laughs> Cause, uh, I don't, I don't know if, <laughs> if multiples of you are on it. I think it was Pat that I was messaging with in the end. I don't know if he's the one who's running uh, it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Pat did the whole dialogue with you until yeah. he, uh, pass it along to me to do yeah. to do the pod. So so the the reason I bring that up is because um so I have a copy of Sadness on vinyl like that original pressing and so I I had Red. posted yeah I had posted about it about how I had it and I was kind of like oh it was the day after or whatever you guys announced the the reissue that's coming out I said you know oh a celebration of that I'm listening to this today to which then he there was a conversation that started on it and uh so how does it feel weird to be able to look back and go? Cause I mean, that's kind of like a dead era for vinyl, um, like, you know, in the early nineties. And cause, cause then your next yeah. record, like diagram, there is no, as far as I can tell, there was no release for vinyl. There is no, there is no vinyl. Yeah. I don't think you guys had a vinyl release until winter long. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Which, correct. which, so yeah, I was able to track that one down too, but so how, how weird is it to look back? Cause I feel like, I mean, there must not, unless that was right at the tail end of like labels just pressing stuff to vinyl. Because nowadays it's like you release something, especially if you have the backing of a label or whatever, there's likely going to be a vinyl pressing as well. But um, do you remember sure. that decision and being involved in that and why that happened? Or was that kind of just, you know, outside of you guys? It, 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 I think when we did, when the sadness came out, um, it, was an, it was the norm still. Okay. It was on the tail end of the norm yeah. to have vinyl. I think it was just a proper format for for the label to to push. Yeah. And I honestly don't know how many copies that they pressed for that. Yeah. And um the w when Diagram came out in 2001, I think vinyl was declared uh I don't want to say declared dead, but oh, it was Oh, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was not popular yeah yeah at all yeah um because cds were now exciting and um much more convenient to people so well and i yeah, think yeah. It's, it's safe to say that vagrant did not have intentions for us to have to have vinyl after <laughs> that record <laughs> i mean they had moved on from that format yeah late 90s early 2000s you're also in like the the peak of downloading right like before uh, we get into like streaming services many years down the road, but I'm sure when the music industry was taking a hit there, they're like, well, no one's, but old people are buying records these days. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now I believe <laughs> it's like the fastest growing as far as like physical sales. Uh, it's be like, it it's is. not, it's not the, it's not selling the most, but as far as growth is concerned, it's, it's leading the way for physical sales, which is great. And I mean, that, that leads you guys to vinyl doing special again. Yeah. Well, I think this is, I mean, I don't know if you collect vinyl yourself, but, this is like my relationship with vinyl is once, I mean, it was back probably 2005 or so, like my grandfather, they were moving out of their house into a smaller place and he had this like cabinet record player and he was like, I can't take this with me. Do you want it? And so I was like, sure. And then he gave me a couple records and from there I kind of bought the odd thing. Like, um, I think I went and found very emergency by the promise ring was one of the first records I nice. bought. But, um, 
And then, you know, for a while I didn't buy anything because it was really like vinyl wasn't, you could still get it really cheap, right? But it wasn't everywhere, especially new music. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as soon as streaming music came out, it was kind of like you lose a little bit of something with streaming music, right? Like, I mean, I'd much yep. rather sit down with a CD or a record in my hand and like look at something, you know, sort of deal. But, um, you know, so that's kind of, for me anyways, why I kind of got back to buying buying records again. But, uh, yeah, so with, with the 20th anniversary uh, vinyl reissue that you guys have coming out, it's not just a straight-up reissue because you guys have remixed and remastered it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, like I said, Pat had, had been given the master tapes because we recorded the record completely analog in 98. And, and that's before Pro Tools uh, was presented to us as a, as a format to, to recording. And so um, uh, one of my best friends, um, Armand Tamboris, uh, he has a two-inch uh, tape recorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, one thing led to another, and we got the tapes in, into his hands, and him and I... Uh, I believe we christened his his uh, his uh, tape machine right. with that album, <laughs> and and we we dumped it into into the old Pro Tools, and and I went from there yeah. and and remixed it. We 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 actually dumped it on onto digital format much much earlier in the year. Yeah, but uh, I I've got I I do. Um, studio recording for for work and have have other bands that i that i play in and so um the the year was was uh flying by and then i came to realize that i had totally neglected the fact that i needed to actually do the mix of the record so um luckily I, i have pat to 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 remind me that it was something that <laughs> that we needed to do yeah. and wanted to do and so uh got that got that done and 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 the ball started rolling very rapidly after that cuz man I I don't think I I mixed the record completely and got it mastered until July okay yeah yeah and and so the whole opportunity to to uh, put it out ourselves and press it on vinyl, all of that came together very quickly. Right. So so quickly that the agreement on putting out the vinyl uh, came into fruition before I even had the, the mixes completed. <laughs> That's awesome. And and uh, and so the the whole the mix of the record and then and then creating the uh re-recordings for the additional seven inch yeah that that is available with the with the the album yeah that that seven inch uh we had like a we had like a one one week deadline to oh, to like re- record and yeah. mix and master that and finish the record itself and so um, I just put life on on hold and, yeah. and got that got that bad boy done, 
and uh, and here we are. <laughs> so yeah, so, so that seven inch though, like, cause they're they're songs that aren't on like they they're not new songs. They're also not songs from Sadness. They're from your other records. Yeah. Like, was that done kind of as like a little bit of a tie-in, like to 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 give something a little more to the rest of the library that you guys have, or was it just like what what led to those songs and deciding to include the seven inch with it? Um. So when we decided to have the supplemental seven inch, we we kind of had the 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 band collectively come to some sort of decision on on whether we wanted to take some of the sadness songs right. and maybe re-record them, or the original idea was to do two um acoustic versions of sadness right. songs yeah and and i don't think that collectively as a band we were all feeling that idea right um and so the reason why we did broken and burned for the seven inch is because we as a band i think that's one of our favorite songs gotcha. okay yeah and and we felt like it would be fun to that song in particular, it would be fun to kind of re-record it. Right. Uh, like, I think the the term we were loosely throwing around during that recording was the adult version of Broken and Burned. <laughs> what do you mean AKA, by that? AKA the, the slow uh, old man version that's of fair. Broken and Burned. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, I remember when, when we were we were like, conceptualizing the idea of recording it yeah um and the 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 pixies are one of if not my favorite band of all time and and one of one of the bands that i think i i pass along to to those dudes um we all love the album bossa nova by the pixies like a lot and so when we were getting ready to record it i was telling max and jeremy like all right this is going to be our bossa nova version of Broken and Burn. <laughs> yeah. So, anybody who might like that album by that band and listens to Broken and Burn this recording, yeah, you might you might be able to tell that that's what I what was in my brain <laughs> when uh, when when we recorded it and I mixed it. That's but, awesome. Um, aside from that song, I think Life Goes On is a very important song to us. And um, although Pat wasn't in the band when when we made Daylight Breaking, mm-hmm. um, I think he he's a big fan of the song, and we we just all you know we felt like that would be a great song that would translate into an acoustic song, yeah, yeah. and so that's kind of how that all happened. All right. And you know, the whole thing about sadness songs maybe not translating. Um, the way we would like it to acoustically that yeah. kind of led to life goes on being the okay. one to be acoustic. So, I mean, you, you re-recorded broken and burned. Did, was there any re-recording yeah. done on sadness? Cause I know like on the waiting hurt, which you guys just dropped, like put a video out for a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some, there's some added vocals or whatever at the end of it. At the very end. At the very end. Yeah. Yeah. So does, <laughs> like, how did that, like, is are those vocals re-recorded or were they in the original no. files and you just found them? Yeah. They, okay. So there's, there's, all right. So in, in the, 
dumping of the record onto a digital format, I was able to see everything that was recorded. Right. And the recording of the album didn't exceed ever uh, 24 tracks of, of sound. Right. And back then, you had to record time code. And yeah. so that's not a sound that you use on the record. That's just like technical stuff. Right. And then there's the click track, which yeah. was only used for intros of songs where there weren't drums. Right. You know? Yeah. Like Solemn or Waiting Hurt. And then um so there were there were a couple of songs that had uh stuff that maybe wasn't used on the record or was so low in the mix you never knew it was there. Right. So that that vocal part, that vocal part at the end of Waiting Hurt, that was just muted. That was just gotcha. the Chad and, and or Trevor and Chad um, decided that just didn't need to be there on the record. <laughs> That's great. And maybe maybe like I've recorded Jeremy a million times. Like sometimes he just ad libs a bunch of stuff, and later on down the line we're just like, eh, we don't need that. Right. You yeah. Know? And Wait. so that might have been a eh, we don't need that when the record was mixed and um you know the record's literally been out for 20 years fans of the band and of the record know that record as well as you know as well as they would ever want to know yeah, it yeah. and so if we we're going to remix the record um we had absolutely no intention of of re-recording anything or adding anything to it. But if there was something that existed in the recording that isn't actually featured or audible on it, I kind of wanted to to sneak it in there a little bit more than, than what was on the record. So there's, there's, I, I think I can recall four different things on the record that maybe the average person couldn't really hear or acknowledge so yeah. much. Winning her being the biggest one, right. that vocal line like literally didn't exist. Yeah. Um, on so what the the breakdown of the song with the gang vocals. Yeah. Um, the original the original version of the song, um, the gang vocals don't come in until like halfway through that part. But I just left them in there for the whole duration okay, of yeah. us actually doing the game vocals. Yeah. And then uh mid season change there's there's like this weird ah ooh ah like backup <laughs> vocal that yeah. that I I never knew if it existed on the record and if it is in there it's so not audible. Right. I just kind of barely put it in there and it's sort of there yeah. so you might notice it. Okay. And then the one that I get the most questions about is the tambourine in stay okay it's on the record yeah and if you listen closely you can hear it but pat told me yo make that tambourine like for real dog (laughs) so the tambourines it's for real in there (laughs) it's for reals in there that's awesome more than i more than I would ever want it, but hey, yeah. if it made Pat happy, then I'm happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great. So, so you did like there, you know, there's there's some some subtle differences as you just brought up, kind of with with some of the tracks. Uh, what about like the artwork in general for the album? Is it all basically the same as the original, or is there have you have you kind of updated or messed around with that at all? The the artwork update is 
is very, very, very um, slight. Right. It, it's hardly noticeable. Um, one of one of my best friends, Donnie Phillips, uh, took took on the liberty of working on working on the artwork Redux, and we wanted to keep it as tasteful and classic as possible. So, um, the original artwork, which uh, all the photography was done by our good friend Gabe Cano, um, and I, my brother Ray. Um, assisted in, in, in a lot of the layout stuff. Um, when we were getting ready to do this, I first turned to Ray and Gabe about, about the artwork and came to realize that we, like that was, that was made before the era of everybody having, you know, Photoshop and mm -hmm. Illustrator and all that stuff at their, their disposal. So we kind of had to dig deep and Vagrant uh, was kind enough to give us the original files, which Donnie had to reformat into 2019 software. Right. Yeah. And uh, when he got it, he he suggested, "Hey, man, let's just let's just kind of keep it real. Let's not let's not try to you're not you're not adding adding anything to the record other, right. other than like giving it an updated mix. So let's just be subtle about it. So the only thing you'll ever really notice is that." On the cover, the text is gold. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So if if you look at that little tiny thumbnail picture yeah. on Spotify or, or Apple Music or iTunes, yeah. it's just the font color is different. Other than that, you, you won't know anything. Oh, that's um, too funny. But yeah. Um, but for the vinyl, um, I think Donnie, Donnie kept it real. There's an insert. Um, probably a very similar insert to the one that was made for the original pressing. Right. Uh, I would I would say he probably updated the font. Just I think he tried to keep the same font, but just if you on the vinyl, so you you could see like how pixelated it is. Yeah, yeah. For that era. Yeah. And and we we're none of us are going to know what it looks like until it actually. Um gets sent back to us in November right. when it when it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um but I'm I'm imagining that it's just gonna look a little cleaner, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but we we just have it's just updated technical stuff right. that we put right. in, into the credits. There's yeah. there's there's nothing all that special. Um but uh I believe for the seven inch uh Donnie made that from scratch okay. and and Jeremy our singer uh, wrote a little. Um, he wrote a little something, a little for, something for the people. All right, there you yeah, go. That's fair. Some, some. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fair. We, we we try to keep the the sadness vinyl itself kind of pure yeah. as 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 we could, and then use the seven inch for the for the kind of personalized. Right. So the center kind of label thing. on sadness is still going to be confusing. <laughs> Every time I put the, that record yeah. on, I'm like, I don't know what oh, side you know it's what? on. <laughs> he 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 fixed that. <laughs> okay, so so is it yeah. labeled now, or is there like just a subtle <laughs> he, difference? He labeled it now. He labeled it. Now. Every time I put and, it on, if, 
Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what side I'm on because both labels are exactly the same. I'm sure if I look in like the dead space where the etching is, I'm sure somewhere it'll say like one or two or A or B. Oh, yeah. But it's also the yep, dead space yep. is pretty small on it, right? So I'm like, I don't know. We'll just put it on and see if the, you know, we get that drum feel at the beginning of nostalgia or not. <laughs> if we don't, just, I'll flip it over. Just memorize the grooves, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Excellent idea. <laughs> If it wasn't for Donnie, I think we would have that would have went over our heads. Yeah. But <laughs> luckily, he's a professional and and he he put text oh, that that's that's too funny. What it's supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, and pulled it out. I'm like, ah, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. We'll put it on and see where we go. But <laughs> um, Donnie Donnie's gonna appreciate that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too good. I think, oh, there was one last thing I did want to talk about. And you had kind of mentioned how uh, Pat wasn't in the band for a little while. Um, yeah. So, because for the, you, you guys have played or are playing a couple reunion shows or like anniversary shows, I should say. Yeah, um, we're playing with, uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, with, with the original lineup uh, for Sadness yeah, Prevails. Not literally the original lineup because I am not the original bass player, but the no, original. But like, yeah, for Sadness, sadness Prevails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess how did how did that all come together? Was it just like when he got a hold of the masters and you know your your brain started turning a little bit or? Uh, well, the the band hasn't done anything since I believe 2014, which is the last time we we probably played shows to yeah. support Winterlong. Yeah. Um, so in the time that Pat ha- hadn't been in a band, we. Uh, we recorded Diagram, or sorry, Daylight Breaking, yeah. the Lola EP, which is basically the same recording session. And then years later, Winter Long. Yeah. Um, when we did Daylight, um, we Pat was kind of going in a, d- a different direction musically as, as Max, Jeremy, and I collectively. Mm-hmm. And Pat had joined a band um, called From Satellite, with with some other friends yeah. from from Ventura County, and um, we just kind of went our separate ways for for an extended amount of time. The um, and and from Satellite and No Motive played shows together, so it it wasn't like a big you know dra- drama filled thing or anything like right. that. It yeah. was just kind of like it's you know we need to just do our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, a lot of time has passed. And whatever whatever might have built up in that time that was a little strange or weird, yeah. we we've all we've all very well have gotten over and have smoothed over and reconciled and and long before any of this. So mm-hmm. we've all been we've all been friends and love each other very much. Um, but it just so happens that you know in this time now we got this this little baby that has turned yeah. 20 years old so um all along when 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 i wanted to to do this uh celebration of the record um from the get-go i i truly wanted pat to be in it because there's there's no other way and and that's no slight on on our bass player jeff because i for those who who don't know, like I went from being the bass player and then when Pat left the band, I became the drummer and then we got Jeff Hershey as a bass player. And so it's kind of strange because I feel like 
they are they're so they're almost like two different bands um completely because we we and this like it just was a natural progression we mm. we we did come to the to the realization that pat or max jeremy and i didn't want to play pop punk anymore right and and so the rest of the band's era um kind of dictates that and obviously yeah. you hear those yeah, you got later records and that's what that <laughs> sounds like and um um and so whatever fans that we might have uh like fans that we've gotten from from daylight on some of them don't even know of of the original era you right. know because yeah, yeah. we were such a different band and on top of that the bands that we toured with were were nothing like what we were doing the first records mm -hmm. like when we when we toured on on daylight we toured with finger 11 and right. oh, yeah, okay. if, if that's not like an indication <laughs> of where we went i don't know what is yeah and and we toured with andrew wk and so okay, yeah it's just a different era of the band completely yeah, yeah. you know yeah um but uh when we decided to to really move forward with this sadness thing knowing the band that we had left you know when the mm -hmm. last time we we were a band like we couldn't get that band yeah. to be the band that that celebrates this like the only right way is to do it with pat sure and and thankfully he was into it and so um here we are here we that's, are. That's basically that's how it that's how it went down. That's awesome. And and uh, we're all really thankful for that because um, what what a lot of people don't know is that Pat and Jeremy started the band. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, it, it just it just seems right to to put this back into his hands, and um, it's cool. It's cool. Everything that we've we've been doing. To, to celebrate this um i i started the the process and i'll be the first to say that it wasn't going exactly the way uh, i hoped it would and um once pat came into the picture a little more um he kind of picked up where he left off and and um a lot more things came in, into fruition and this this uh anniversary celebration of the record is is on a level that truly uh pat had a lot everything to do with it being where, where it is now because this this really went from when him and i were talking about it this was going to be like a all right dude remix the record i'll pay for it to get bastard by paul minor and we'll just throw it on Bandcamp, <laughs> yeah. and then and then we'll just call it a day. Right. And then, you know, yeah. here we are. Vagrant's Vagrant has re-released or released the reissue uh, remix of the record digitally, and then we the making of the of of the vinyl version and the seven inch. Like that was that was not like we 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 shot that idea down, but somehow we 
Pat just made it happen. And, um, you know, um, our, my, my hopes and dreams for the record were to do that band camp thing and play a show. Yeah. Hopefully with Pat. And so, you know, we, I, I got my dream and then some, and we're all super stoked. So that's awesome. man. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe quick final thoughts. Uh, you're, you're 20 years on now from sadness, uh, looking back over whether it's with the album or just the life of the band. Is there, is there anything that maybe you could go, you wish you could go back and kind of alter a little bit? I know there, I think there was an, an interview with Jeremy where he was like, well, I wish I kind of didn't include some of the faster songs on the record cause they don't really fit in. But, um, <laughs> is there, is there anything looking back on it that you're like, maybe I would have done that a little different or. Oh man. You know, it's funny that you asked me that question because uh i'll be the first to say that that we were we were pretty pretty fucking spoiled right for for the position that we were in and and all the opportunities that that we had and i think given given our age like i was I, I think I was 17 when we did that Good Riddance tour. I turned 18 on the tour. Max was, was, was like, I don't think he had a driver's license. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. So we were teenagers when we, when he did that Good Riddance tour. And so I think in hindsight, our age was probably one of the, the the things that held us back the most because we we weren't able to see things through an, an adult perspective yeah. and it, had we been more mature older i think we would have made a wide, wiser decisions on on uh on things if it, it, like if you follow the band you notice that there's there's quite quite a few years at least two years in between records, yeah. if not more, you know, and I think, well, some of it, uh, as dudes that wear, the, wear their hearts on their sleeves, I think like think perhaps the things that we've, we've experienced in our personal lives kind of, um, took precedence over, over our touring ability mm-hmm. and our ability to kind of like treat the band, um, a little better i think i think we would have uh i think we would have toured a bit heavier okay in yeah. our in our in-between time and yeah. and um perhaps made records a little more frequently but you know we can never go back to that yeah yeah and um you know as as much as i think about i, I mean i don't think about it frequently but if i think about that whole idea i think perhaps we wouldn't we we would be a little more active or maybe we would have we wouldn't have taken so many breaks or stopped playing altogether yeah. but life is what what it is man yeah. and and we're all at the end of the day we're all still very close friends more like you know that that's number one yeah. uh, more than being being a band and playing music together and and that's um i think we can all collectively say that we're truly grateful for that to have each other in 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 each other's lives and 
and have this opportunity. And while while we can't really treat no motive um, as a as a way of like you know we're not trying to make a living doing anything no motive related. We're we're just we're just enjoying each other's company and being thankful for for having um, people enjoy our band and, and care about us. So yeah. whatever opportunities that we can do, um, we can partake in collectively we're we're very thankful for and that's more way more important than like looking back and wondering about the what ifs and all that right. and all that stuff because you know all of us could could do that i could do that for for every band i've been in <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah you know yeah it, life is what it is and and uh at the end of the day we're just thankful for this opportunity yeah well i mean hey man like who knows like get it you know running the sadness prevail stuff i mean Face to face took nine years between albums at one point. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? maybe maybe after all of this this is all said and done, you guys are just like, Yeah, why not? We could we could do that. I don't oh know. yeah. But uh Well, yeah, you know. Who knows? I'm I'm the lone I'm the lone member of No Motive that, that isn't uh married with oh, okay. with fam- with, yeah. with kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So you know, we, we, we work within our means and, and we're, we're a bunch of very realistic dudes. Sure. And, uh, yeah. I, I think we, I think we honestly enjoy the fact that we could do this and it's not like this, the success or whatever of what we do is going to dictate whether or not we put food on the table. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, this is just straight up for our, enjoyment and and fans of the band's enjoyment and and it need does not need to be anything more than that because you know we've all we've all kind of come into our own in our lives and we're we're all happy so it's cool Hey, if you're still here, super cool. This is like the, uh, I guess you could say post credit scene that all those Marvel movies made super famous and awesome, I guess. Uh, what happened here is I, I stopped recording, or I, I said I was done the interview, and then I kept recording, and Roger just had more things to say that I thought were pretty cool, so I figured, hey, we're going to include them in the episode. Uh, but before I do that and finish you up with these last few minutes, uh, I just thought I would say, hey, thanks for tuning in to Growing Up Punk. And make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Growing Punk Pod, and you can find us on Instagram at Growing Up Punk. And if you want to follow myself, I am on Instagram and Twitter at David Growing Up. This has been a blast, but this is the remainder of the interview with Roger Camaro of No Motive, talking about 20 years of And the Sadness Prevails. I did want to say, like, so you were mentioning that it's, you said Vagrant, have they released the digital stream? Yeah, if if you, it's it's funny. I mean, we're extremely thankful and grateful for them to to do the work and and putting it um, online through all of you know. As far as I know, it's available everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's 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 definitely on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, yeah. um, Google, Amazon, whatever. As I say, because like um, I, I was looking on Apple Music, I'm like, it's not there. At least I can't find it. Unless it's oh, just, really? 
Yeah. Oh no, I oh, see what they've done. Strange. No, it's there. It's there. No, I'm wrong. I see what they've done is it's not um I guess because when it's it, just it, it still says ninety nine. It still on says ninety nine. Right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas sometimes they release it and it's like, well, when it's the update. So now I'm pumped to go listen to that because I hadn't heard it yet. I just heard. Oh, cool. The couple that you had sort of, you know, like put out oh, videos for. Oh, so you haven't so. actually heard it yet? No, and and literally. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was to say. I can't wait to see what you have to say about that. Oh, I'm so pumped. <laughs> well, kidding. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. The uh, I was to say the. Um, the mixes on the few that I'd heard that you guys kind of had, had released ahead of time or whatever. I was like, Oh yeah, they, mm-hmm. there's definitely, I can get into this at the same point. I'm also like, I have no, I, I never really would have thought, Oh, let's, you know, remix and remaster this record. Cause I always loved it so much, but now I'm pumped to go and actually listen Sweet. to it now that I found it. Cause I saw, um, well, I guess, I don't know if it was Friday. Yeah. I think it was Friday that the broken and burned and life goes on single came out. And so yeah, it, the the rec it, the both of them came out the same day. Yeah, it's okay. just yeah, you you got to be like pretty pretty uh like you know uh digital music savvy <laughs> geeky to know that it's it's in there somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah, that, they, yeah. they technically put it out, but um. I mean, if you if you're a Vagrant Records follower, like we don't even exist on the website, so right, yeah, yeah. Um, they they were just doing they were just doing a solid by hosting it, but yeah, there there's absolutely no there's no like advertisement yeah, or yeah. or yeah. public public recognition that it, it exists. It's just there. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but as I was gonna say, because I did get notified about about the broken and burned and life goes on, but I guess because they've I guess because they're oh, re-recorded, gotcha. they're listed as 2019, right versus. Uh, 1999 yeah, yeah. so um but yeah no now man now i'm pumped to go listen to that sick i would have been listening to that had i seen it was out and yeah the, the cover artwork oh, is man. it's definitely brighter hey well i mean it's brighter and darker all at the same time because <laughs> the yeah the i'm really curious is how it's going to come out on on vinyl man I, yeah I'm, ex- I'm excited to see it and yeah. uh yeah i hope you like the remix man it i i it, it it was such a trippy experience, to be honest with you. Yeah. When when we were when we were transferring it from tape to Pro Tools, it, it was it, I I definitely got very emotional listening to it. Yeah. And and in the time, like I made a I made a point to make a make bounces of the songs like not touched, just raw, raw right. as raw could be, and yeah. and I I think it got some of us pretty emotional and. I I I really wanted to just kind of touch on some of the things that maybe some of us were were always a little like hesitant on. It's yeah. a unique record. I mean, yeah. we it, it, there's there's hardly a documentation of the recording itself, but um the the studio that we recorded sadness, the drum room was tiny. It's basically the size of what should be a control room, okay. and and it ended up becoming the control room <laughs> for when we made Diagram for Healing. Funny, like yeah. that drum room became the, the control room, right. and then they they elaborated and built an actual nice size drum room for for di- for Diagram. Um, and so yeah, those are the, that's the same studio where we recorded that and. I know you are a face-to-face fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. They recorded "How to Ruin Everything" uh, at that studio. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's why. And they that's built a they built a stage in the drum room and recorded it live. Oh, that's awesome! 
Yeah, no, I, I mentioned that being one of my favorites, if not my favorite face-to-face album, so that's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Sadness was was did not have a quote-unquote drum room sound. It was dry as dry can be. Yeah. And so when when they mixed the record at the studio called The Complex mm-hmm. in, uh, I think, Culver City, um, they ran the drum tracks through really huge, nice uh, studio monitor speakers, yeah. just the drum tracks, and put uh, really nice um, microphones at the end of this humongous room, yeah. like the size of a venue, <laughs> and m- created a drum sound out uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Interesting. So that, so that kind of odd slapback yeah. drum sound that you hear predominantly on nostalgia yeah that's that was record that's that recording of the sound of the drums coming through the speakers being recorded oh man like that that is not a real drum sound and so um as cool as that is uh the idea of it i i think that's like the one of the things about the record that irked us for 20 years yeah 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 (laughs) so um that was like one of the the main things we wanted to kind yeah. of um, kind of put a twist on. So again, uh, yeah. So how did you then, I guess, rectify that? Make that you know, like change that up with still working with the same masters. Um, I you know now nowadays magic. I I didn't <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> I didn't highly doctor anything. I I yeah. I, I I kept it. I believe. In in a, in a tasteful place, cool. I didn't yeah. I didn't like uh, you know go overboard. Yeah. But um, you know, there's there's reverb plugins now that yeah, sure. model drum rooms and all that yeah. mumbo jumbo. So yeah. hmm. um, whatever mixing techniques I did, I I did I believe pretty pretty uh, organically. Yeah, you know, no, that's I didn't awesome. literally try to make it sound like the black album, which <laughs> we always joke. We always joke about wanting records to sound like the Black Album, but yeah, <laughs> That's we were not going to get that with this. <laughs> I, I mean, it's interesting though because you mentioned you bringing up the drums and nostalgia and just how uh, that's like the the drum sound on that song is very. I guess distinct. Like I haven't really it heard is, anything yeah. else I've listened to that sounds like that and whether i mean some people may love it some people may hate it or just be indifferent whatever like it is what it is but it's definitely as soon as that you know bop, when the snare kicks in i'm like oh it's i know exactly unique. what this is i don't even have to hear the the rest of the drum intro right <laughs> like in my ear yeah, i go man. oh yes this is no motive and the sadness prevails <laughs> hell yeah that's yeah. awesome man there's there's like a little there's still a little tinge of it there it's just like it's just barely there. Yeah. Now, now when I hear it, it just sounds like, like past drum set in your face. Right. And I think that's all. That's all we were really going for is like yeah. the original mix of the record. The guitars are so loud and full and awesome. Yeah. And I think we just wanted the drums to complement that this sure. time around. Yeah. And on the original mix of the vocals, I mean, you're if you follow the 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 band. You have literally heard the evolution of Jeremy's voice. Yeah, like that. What wherever his voice has gone, that's just a natural progression, and and you people have caught it from his teenage years. You yeah. know, that's yeah, yeah. basically how it went down. So, yeah. Yeah. um, 
I think we wanted to to take away some of that double vocal effect and like let some of his sing singular vocal track kind of come through a little yeah. bit more on this version of the record. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's that was our reasoning behind our reason behind literally everything with that new mix is you ha all of us have the original version of the record there's mm -hmm. no point in me remixing the record to try to match that yeah. that's just pointless yeah. we don't nobody needs that yeah. so keep it all in good taste but give it a new a new life i guess yeah. and so you know a little more uh i think organic sounding yeah. a little more like you know less studio sounding i guess i don't know